This is a special notice to all our lovely listeners out there. We are currently updating our records. Please could you contact Diane de Jersey on 078 88-5-4-582, that's 07899-854-582, to confirm your latest contact information, even if it has not changed. We wouldn't want you to miss out on any of our future recordings, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Hello, this is Angela welcoming you to the 2357th edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper, dateline 7th of September 2023. The readers this week are Angela, Roz, Denise, Catherine with Dem on the controls. Editing, production and distribution is by the team. Our title music is Country Rock Polka composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer. It is performed by Jean-Jacques Perry and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent, the Enfield Dispatch and are their copyright. For the week beginning 11th of September, the sunrise time is 05.43 and the sunset time is 20.25. We also have some special notices from Enfield Vision and Enfield Library Home Service. Enfield Home Library Service. Did you know that Enfield has a home library service? This means that if mobility, disability or caring responsibilities make it difficult for you to visit the library, then we can bring the library to you and there is no charge. The Home Library is run in conjunction with the Royal Voluntary Service who vet and manage our volunteers. You tell us the sort of thing you like to read and we will select books for you and deliver them to your home once every four weeks. As well as ordinary print titles, we have audiobooks on CDs and large print titles. There are also a limited number available in different languages. Separately... The Enfield Home Library Service offers assistance with digital library content, so we can help you to get to grips with borrowing e-books or audiobooks from the library to read or listen to on a phone or tablet. For more information or to see if you can sign up for this service, email enfield.hls at royalvoluntaryservice.org. UK, or call Shauna Tevin on 07826-511094. Our next notice is from Enfield Vision. We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop-in morning 
on the third Thursday in each month from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bushill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are running again, and here are the dates for the next few months. Thursday, Thursday, 21st of September, 2023. Thursday, 19th of October, 2023. Thursday, 16th of November, 2023. For further information, please contact us on 0208-373-6260 or email information at enfieldvision.org.uk And here is an extra notice from Enfield Vision regarding the October drop-in. On Thursday the 19th of October, Enfield Vision is holding a focus day at Community House, 3114 Street and 9 OPZ, from 10am to 2pm. And this means there will be no drop-in morning on Thursday the 19th of October at the Park Avenue Centre. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane De Jersey on 07899-854-582. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to hear from you. Now Ros will read the lead story. First residents move into council homes. It's a landmark at Meridian Water Project. The very first residents have received their keys for new council homes at the Transformational Meridian Water Project in Edmonton. The scheme was developed by Enfield Council and Developers Countryside Partnerships. Enfield Council tenants in Edmonton were the first people to be offered housing in the high-quality homes at the development. Enfield Council and Countryside Partnerships have delivered a range of family-sized homes, including accessible homes for disabled tenants, as well as one-bedroom residences. The homes, Brambling House and Great Crest House, are named after native birds that can be found in the area. The 20 completed homes are part of the 50% affordable housing offer being built in the first phase of Meridian One. 300 homes will be delivered in this phase by the end of 2024. Residents met with the leader of Enfield Council, Councillor Nestle Kaliskan, Deputy Mayor of London for Housing and Residential Development, Tom Copley, and also Countryside London Divisional Chair, Mike Woolscroft. Councillor Kaliskan, who met the first councillor tenants at Meridian Water on September the 4th, said... This is a monumentous occasion for the Meridian Water Project. Our plan is to build decent, affordable homes in Enfield. Alongside these new homes, Meridian Water will invest in Edmonton, residents with new leisure facilities and give training and job opportunities. Seeing the first residents receive their keys for their new homes is a testament to the ambitions and hard work of the people of Edmonton and this is only the start. Tom Copley said... 
I'm delighted to welcome these first tenants to the new homes. They are high-quality council homes at the Meridian Water and this impressive development, which is set to deliver 300 homes by the end of next year, will ensure that more Londoners can benefit from the record levels of council homes we're hoping to build in the capital. There is also enormous potential for regeneration and community development in Enfield through the new facilities, jobs and training on offer. It's helping to build a better, fairer, more prosperous London for us all. This year, Meridian Water has already completed a community garden, Enfield Construction Skills Academy and has been successful in securing £195 million in infrastructure costs for the next phase of this regeneration project. And now we have an item about the school's concrete scandal. No schools in Enfield have been found to be affected by a type of concrete that is prone to collapse, the council says. The government announced on August 31st that 156 schools across England were found to have a type of concrete that is prone to collapse and will need to introduce safety measures if they haven't done so already. The material, reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete, or rock for short, was used in the construction of schools and other public buildings from the 1960s to the 1990s. A more lightweight form of concrete with a lifespan of around 30 years, it was mainly used in roofs but is sometimes found in walls and floors. Enfield Council said none of the borough schools had been contacted by the Department for Education, DfE, over building safety concerns. Since 2021, the DfE has assessed the possibility of building collapse or failure causing death or injury as a critical and very likely risk. In June, the National Audit Office said the DfE had not been able to reduce the risk. The DfE said new RARC cases had reduced the Department for Education's confidence that school and college buildings with confirmed RARC should remain open without mitigations in place. It said it was now taking the precautionary and proactive step to change its approach to RARC in education settings, including schools. Although most schools will be able to remain open for face-to-face learning because only a small part of the site is affected, others will need to either fully or partially relocate to allow safety measures such as propping up ceilings to be put in place. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak defended the timing of the announcement that scores of schools in England would face having to close buildings with crumbling concrete just days before the end of the summer holidays. He encouraged people to remember that only one in 20 state schools would be affected. The Prime Minister said there are around 22,000 schools in England and the important thing to know is that we expect 95% of those schools won't be impacted by this. Fears over impact of cut price meridian water homes. So here's the other side of the story to the first one we had. Slashed prices on the first new homes for sale at Meridian Water are massively disappointing and raise questions about the viability of Enfield Council's flagship housing project. This is according to a senior Conservative councillor who says it is insane the Edmonton housing project has not been developed faster. 
The first new private sale homes were put on the market nearly a year ago, in September 2022. But many remain unsold and have now had their prices reduced. The cheapest studio flat available at Meridian 1, the first phase of Meridian Water, originally went on sale for £322,000, but is now listed at £299,500, representing a 7% price drop. The most expensive flat listed, which has two bedrooms and two bathrooms, was originally listed for £512,000, but is now going for £500,000. There have been at least three other price drops on flats at Meridian 1, with the biggest being a reduction of £33,500. Meridian 1 comprises 977 homes in total, of which half will be sold on the open market. The first social rent homes are due to be occupied this month. On the sales website, promoted by the Council's development partner, Vistry Partnerships, there are currently 10 flats listed for private sale, with four said to be reserved. Lee Chamberlain, the Opposition Conservative Group's housing spokesperson, says he is now very concerned about the financial viability of the Council-led housing project, where 10,000 homes are slated to be built, in total, over the next 25 years. Councillor Chamberlain told the dispatch, I was involved in the early discussions around the project when the Conservatives ran the Council before Labour won in 2010, and to be in this situation now, 13 years later, is insane. Not delivering a fully formed project is very disappointing. I'm very concerned to see this situation. They must have badly miscalculated the prices at the beginning. These prices need to be reinvested in the next phase of the project, so if they're not forthcoming, then it raises questions about the next phase and having to do it with less money. The dispatch revealed last month that Enfield Council's debt ranked as the 10th highest in England, with some £400 million of the £1.1 billion spent on Meridian Water. Work on future phases of the project have been delayed by rising costs. Councillor Chamberlain said, Speed is of the essence. You have, you have to get on and get them delivered, and they haven't. The council can spin it however they like, but 13 years is an unfeasible amount of time for any development project. I was hoping we would see things moving, because we have a lot of issues with housing shortages, but they can't get these homes sold. The price shift raises questions about the whole financing of the project and how viable it is it is going forward. It is massively disappointing to see the prices being reduced. Matt Byrne from campaign group Better Homes Enfield added, They've borrowed huge amounts of money on the expectation, gamble, that both residential and commercial property values would increase, interest rates would remain low and property would sell fairly easily. They appear to have been caught out on these assumptions. Enfield Council and the Vistry Partnership declined to comment. ...article about a new bar at the National Theatre. Everyone needs a few good spots along South Bank up their sleeves for when you have that inevitable hunger and you, when you're parched walking among a throng of tourists. The National Theatre's soon-to-open wine bar is one such spot, and venues have just opened for bookings. 
Peckham's Forza Wine will open its second venue in the Brutalist South Bank Icon on Thursday, September the 7th. That's today. The bar will be a spacious 170 covered space seated place that comes with a balcony overlooking the River Thames. Open Monday to Saturday from 12pm to 12am, the wine bar will serve cocktails and natural wines as well as snacks from its Italian-ish kitchen, which will change regularly. This includes new dishes such as bay-salted sole with fennel and pickled chilli and marinated peppers with basil as well as South London favourites, cauliflower fritti and the bar's much-loved soft serve. Bringing some of South London's casually cool vibes to South Bank are Forza Wine. And Forza Wine is all about good wine, good food and making the punters leave sated and happy. Chef and Forza Wine co-owner Michael Lavery said, Forza Wine is all about delicious food and drinks delivered by people who do things properly, making you feel welcome and don't take the whole thing too seriously. If you leave full and happy and having enjoyed a few drinks, then we're good. The bar is the last of the new food and drink offerings opening up at the National Theatre as part of a partnership with quality street food incubator Curb. Forza Wines joins Lasden, a restaurant that takes its name from the theatre's architect, Dennis Lasden. Created by the team behind the cast, uh, sorry, created by the team behind East London's The Marksman, this restaurant plates up classic brasserie style dishes such as smoked eel, Cornish crab with lemon and saffron, buns for starters, as well as whole Cornish John Dory and chicken, wild garlic and leek pie for mains. Lasden will also have smoked fridge Lasden will also have a smoked fish fridge and an oyster bar. Mm. To reserve a table at Forza Wine, visit sevenrooms.com. A new memorial garden to remember Enfield residents who lost their lives or were affected during the COVID nineteen pandemic has been unveiled in Edmonton Green. The Enfield Council-funded garden in Monmouth Road is a permanent memorial and space for reflection. The opening is also an opportunity to give thanks and to recognise the dedication and tireless work that NHS staff, council and voluntary sector undertook during the pandemic, with staff from North Middlesex University Hospital and other representatives attending the ceremony. Councillor Needs said... We wanted to create a memorial garden to remember all those in the borough who sadly passed away during the COVID pandemic and to pay tribute to the hard work and dedication of the wonderful colleagues and also the police and fire service who risked their own lives to help others in a time of national crisis. COVID-19 Memorial Garden will bring people together and the meaningful space will resonate with the whole community. And here we have an article about no-fault evictions in Enfield. 
Nearly 500 Enfield families have been evicted from their homes by landlords using the no-fault process in the period since the government announced it would ban the practice and protect tenants, new figures show. The latest data from the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, DLUHC, show that since April 2019, 477 households in Enfield have been turfed out of their properties following court orders obtained by landlords under the Section 21 procedure, which they can use to evict tenants who don't wish to leave and have not broken the terms of their contract. The landlord doesn't need to provide a reason for eviction and can force tenants out within two months. DLUHC has proposed a law, the Renters' Reform Bill, which is now going through Parliament and will abolish the no-fault eviction process. But housing charity Shelter says hundreds of families risk being thrown into homelessness every day while the practice is legal. Enfield recently topped the London table for Section 21 evictions, recording 127 possession orders in the second quarter of 2023, more than any other borough. It was also the highest eviction rate Enfield had recorded since the second quarter of 2019, just after the government's ban was announced. Enfield, and in particular the east of the borough, has become an epicentre for homelessness in the last year as rising rents, eviction rates, inflation and the borough's small pool of available social housing has combined to create a crisis, with hundreds of homeless families being stuck in living hotels for months on end as Enfield Council has nowhere else left to put them. All three local MPs have spoken out to slam the government's slow action in dealing with the problem. Enfield Southgate MP Bambos Sharalambos said, Week after week my office is supporting constituents who have been unfairly evicted and are in temporary accommodation. These are nationwide issues caused by the lack of affordable housing, spiralling costs and inadequate protections for renters. But we are seeing problems deepen in Enfield as landlords exit the market locally with the highest rate of Section 21 no-fault evictions in the whole of London and insufficient social housing supply to make up the difference. I'm deeply concerned by the lack of protection for families in our community, especially those in temporary accommodation and the complete lack of urgency from the government on these issues. We urgently need greater protections for tenants, more council housing and social housing and affordable accommodation locally. Edmonton MP Kate Ossimore said, Four years after the Tories promised to ban no-fault evictions, it's disgraceful that families in Enfield continue to be evicted at short notice and for no good reason. It's clear this government is more interested in protecting the profits of landlords than the families they evict. But the housing crisis is a national emergency that requires urgent action. The government must now pass the Renters' Reform Bill and the next Labour government needs to make bold decisions to fix the mess they inherit. It's time for a new deal for renters that includes rent controls, unfreezing housing benefit and enhanced rights. Everybody deserves a safe, suitable and affordable home. Enfield North MP Ferial Clark added, I've been raising the issues with this disastrous policy with the government since I was elected to Parliament. 
I've demanded the Prime Minister abolish this unfair, inhumane procedure in Parliament. I've also personally written to ministers and demanded action. Yet here we are, four years later, with another broken promise from the government and families in Enfield are made to pay the price. In government, Labour will abolish no-fault evictions as part of our renters' charter, making rent fairer, more secure and affordable. We will build more homes, include social homes and support families onto the housing ladder with a comprehensive mortgage insurance scheme. The government launched a new housing loss prevention advice service in August, enabling tenants facing eviction to receive free legal advice as soon as their landlord serves them with a written notice, as well as getting representation in court. A DLUHC spokesperson said... Our landmark Renters Reform Bill, currently going through Parliament, will protect renters by abolishing Section 21 no-fault evictions. We are committed to creating a private rented sector that is fit for the 21st century, which works for responsible landlords while giving tenants greater security in their homes. Enfield Council was also approached for comment. Showing why Enfield is open for all. When BLOQS, or Blocks, first participated in Open House Festival in 2016, it was among a small handful of participants in Enfield, and a trickle of enthusiasts visited the workshop. Eight years later, Enfield is a thriving hotbed of activity and intrigue for Open House attendees to explore. It's also home to two of the 12 exemplar projects chosen by the Greater London Authority for this year's festival, with Angel Edmonton and Blocks both proudly selected. Running UK-wide from the 6th to the 17th of September, Open House Festival provides the opportunity to visit locations most often closed to public view, encouraging audiences to explore new places, learn about different communities and experience diverse architecture firsthand. Funded by the Enfield Society and running in tandem with Enfield Council's Festival of Industry, many open house activities will explore Enfield's industrial past, present and future. The UK's first open access factory, Blocks, will host a weekend of activity with workshop tours, a guided tour with architect Tom Holbrook of Fifth Studio, courses, machine demos and an exhibition of Blocks members' work. Acclaimed performing arts theatre, Chicken Shed, will also debut its new musical theatre piece, Woolly Mammoths of Enfield, and Blocks Kitchen will serve up delicious food and drinks all day. Visit 4th Street for a plethora of activities, including Faith in Industry at 4th Street Living Room Library, an event exploring Angel Edmonton's industrial past and present. Nearby Angel Yard hosts a collection of 35 workspaces and will be opening its doors on Saturday the 16th for visitors to meet its businesses and enjoy art exhibitions at the beautiful new pedestrianised section of Grove Street where there'll be food, drink and live music. Jan Cateen Architects will host three guided tours of the new four street interventions, the library, murals and school street as well as Angel Yard. Angel Edmonton Public Art and Poetry Trail is a self-guided tour, 
including four streets murals, the Our River Lee Pottery Poetry Trail, celebrating local poet Keith Moat, plus recently installed artworks on shutters and council litter bins as part of the Four Street Open All Hours Gallery. Other open house highlights in Enfield include Forty Hall, a walking tour of Edmonton, the Royal Small Arms Factory at Enfield Lock, Christchurch Southgate and Minchenden Oak Garden, Winchmore Hill Friends Meeting House, Lavender Hill Chapel and King George V Pumping Station. If you would like more details on the venues and events during Open House Festival this year, visit online programme.openhouse or one word .org.uk forward slash calendar. And now another tasty article, this time about the new Southgate restaurant that takes grilling seriously. Neil Littman visits newly opened Zagara and enjoys a feast of grilled goods. Mm. I was thinking recently about the pros and cons of eating out on my own. About half the time I managed to find somebody to go with, and as I don't eat red meat, it's good to have a dining companion with whom you can try different dishes. It was reported recently that some high-end, some high-end West End establishments are charging solo diners double for eating on their own. One venue is the two Michelin-starred Hotel Café Royale near Regent Street, which charges £350 to diners who want to eat solo, the same price two would pay for the £175 tasting menu. Fortunately, nobody in Enfield has thought this is a good idea, and in any case, you would be hard-pushed to spend that amount, even including cocktails, almost anywhere in the borough. Personally, I think solo solo diners should always be welcome. I recently decided to check out the Zagara, Southgate's new opening, something of a rarity. It is now also one of the few local restaurants to open on a Monday. Hurrah! Located on the site of a former coffee shop at the Broadway Southgate, Zagara is a welcome addition to the area and features a well-designed interior with parquet flooring, copper downlighters and banquettes. Background music on my visit was a mix of Europop and Balkan guitar tunes. On their website, Zagara described themselves as a grill restaurant. So I was expecting meat to take centre stage on the menu, which it did, but with a catch. The menu is concise with about a dozen hot and cold starters, but several of the 20 or so main courses are priced between £45 and £70, with a number in brackets to indicate they are for sharing between three or four people. This made solo dining made the solo ex, solo dining experience a little tricky and left me with few options. While I was happy to order a grilled chicken dish served with peppers and asparagus, I was also surprised to see that there were no vegetarian or vegan options. It seems they are serious about their grilled meat. When I asked a member of staff what kind of restaurant Sagara was, she told me it was Mediterranean. 
Although investigating a bit further, I looked up the meaning of the word cigara and discovered it's the Albanian word for grill. My start of tzatziki was preceded by a plate of three appetizers served with warm sourdough bread plus a side order of roast potatoes which were parboiled, then grilled, then dressed with olive oil, lemon and herbs but were very nice nonetheless. The tzatziki contained chopped green peppers like the ones that accompany Turkish dishes which added a nice kick. Both the food and the service at Zagara are good but there were no drinks on the menus, their alcohol license was pending at the time I visited, nor dessert menu, although one dessert was available to order. The bill for two courses plus beer and service came to a reasonable £29, with a rather quirky touch on the receipt, which still has the name of the former coffee shop printed on it. They told me they have been very busy at the weekend, so... Booking ahead may be advisable. And no, you're not hearing things. We do have a final article featuring the Meridian Water. <laughs> Former flat pack furniture warehouse could be flattened to make way for homes. So we're talking IKEA. Up to 3,000 homes could well be built on the site of the former IKEA warehouse in Edmonton, according to a new sales brochure. CBRE Group an American commercial real estate service and investment firm is promoting the sale of IKEA site to investors on Pim's waterside with the claim that the area could be used to build 2,830 homes as well as 3,035 square feet of space for shops, offices, schools and a new library. When IKEA closed in in August 2022, 450 jobs were lost. The warehouse itself is now being used as a flexible event space, although this is only intended as a meanwhile use. It sits in the centre of the wider Meridian water housing zone, where Enfield Council has long had a target to build 10,000 homes, but previous plans were drawn up where flat pack furniture, Swedish meatballs were still being sold from the site. So IKEA last year opted to close its Edmonton store instead citing a shift to online sales as well as the council's residential project as part of the reason, with the firm likely wanting to capitalise on raising land values thanks to the Meridian Water. While no planning permission or application currently exists for the conversion of IKEA site, the land is being marketed on the basis that thousands of homes could well be built there. Champion Exposition, adjacent to Pim's Brook, which the council has plans to naturalise from the concrete jungle channel. The sales brochure says, as parts of the engagement with Enfield Council officers, a master plan and vision concepts has been prepared to determine the potential development capacity of the site. The master plan demonstrates the site's capacity for delivering up to 3,000 new homes, along with other social infrastructures two primary schools, for example. It continues, award-winning architect Shepard Robson have explored development options to maximise the site's potential. The master plan is intended to represent a deliverable base case for the development. The scheme proposes 10 buildings ranging in heights from 5 to 30 storeys. 
The scheme also proposes the provisions of C650 car parking spaces and associated open space and landscaping. As well as the IKEA warehouse, the site includes its surrounding car parks, which in total extend to nearly 10 hectares. It remains unclear how the potential construction of up to 3,000 homes in the IKEA site would impact total housing delivery across Meridian Water as a whole, but since the council has still not made its overall master plan for the project available to the public, who knows? In the council's draft local plan, published in 2021 before IKEA was closed, 5,000 homes in total were allocated the western half of Meridian Water, and this includes IKEA. The other 500 homes are expected to be delivered after 2039. And here's an item now to get your creative juices flowing. A new makerspace has been launched by Enfield Council at Ordnance Unity Centre Library to help residents develop creative projects and learn new skills alongside like-minded people. Budding writers, music makers, photographers and jewellery makers celebrated the official opening of the space as the Council's Cabinet Member for Public Spaces, Culture and Local Economy, Chinelo Anianwu, joined a bracelet-making workshop and demonstrated her own skills on a sewing machine. A makerspace is somewhere people can gather to co-create, share resources and knowledge, work on projects and network. The Council's project began earlier this year with various taster workshops available, including sewing, where participants learned how to thread a sewing machine and how to complete different stitches. Other popular activities include workshops on podcasting, photography, coding and writing. Councillor Aniwanyu said, Libraries are not just about books. They're a wonderful wealth of resources and the official launch of our fantastic creative makerspace project clearly demonstrates that libraries provide and offer many fantastic resources for our residents. I'm very pleased the council has provided the new makerspace collaborative workspace for residents to learn new skills and participate in activities where they can develop new friendships. It's been great to see people come together in a creative environment. The activities on offer provide technological resources that will empower and improve people's chances of economic success, job prospects and social mobility. Makerspace has been funded through money received from developers via the Community Infrastructure Levy, SIL. A10 speeding petition submitted to Transport for London. A Conservative councillor says residents are utterly sick of speeding and noise pollution along the A10 as he submits a petition signed by over 2,000 local residents demanding TfL take action. Bushill Park Ward councillor James Hockney says that despite previous efforts to curb A10 speeding, the problem is persisting and even getting worse. Three years ago, TfL installed average speed cameras on half of the route in Enfield between the M25 and Southbury Road, but not on the southern section that runs between Bushill Park and Edmonton. Councillor Hockney said... 
The Mayor of London needs to start listening to the residents of Enfield and Edmonton who are utterly sick of the speeding and noise on the A10 and car parks. This latest A10 petition has significantly more signatures than any of the previous petitions and underlines that the call for action is deepening. I'm so grateful to all the people that have signed and shared the petition. He added... There was one month where speeding offences on the A10 accounted for 12% of all London speeding offences. Sadly, we have seen far too many serious accidents on the A10 and we will not rest until we have all the Enfield-Edmonton A10 corridor covered with average speed cameras. A TFL spokesperson said... We know speeding is a major concern for people in the area and we installed an average speed system on the A10 in March 2020, which is in addition to the spot speed cameras being used to tackle speeding in the area. Although we have no immediate plans to install a fixed safety camera system between Southbury Road and the Great Cambridge Road roundabout, the A10 corridor is a priority for the jointly funded TFL MPS Roads and Transport Policing Command, which continues to be deployed to the area to deal with a range of criminal and antisocial driving offences. Breaking the speed limit is selfish and reckless and we will continue working with the borough and police to ensure that roads are safe for everyone who lives and works in Enfield. Continuing with the theme of drivers, drivers find paying for parking as stressful as being late for work. Drivers are finding paying for public parking an anxious ordeal with 40% of UK motorists saying it's as stressful as being late for work. With so many different payment methods across Britain, from ticket machines to apps researched by Skoda UK, found that 20% compared compared it to having an argument, 16% said it was stressful as opening a bill, and 9% said it's as bad as going to the dentist. Almost half, 47% of all motorists in the UK, have given up paying for parking altogether because the process was too difficult, while 18% have said they spend more than 10 minutes trying to pay for a space. In addition, 33% have failed to pay for parking at least once and later received a fine as a result. The British public's least favourite payment method is an automated phone call, 38%, followed by a parking app, 26%, and then a ticket machine, 18%, according to the research. Skoda is aiming to make the public's parking woes less troublesome as it trials a new and innovative parking service to ease parking pain. Pay to park enables cashless payments for parking directly via the Skoda infotainment system. The pay-to-park service automatically identifies the car park or parking zone you've entered using the car's navigation and handles payments automatically. This leaves the driver without the trip to the dentist rivaling anxiety levels, while sessions can be extended using the MySkoda app. Pay to Park is currently being trialled in Scandinavia, Germany, Belgium, Austria, Switzerland and Italy and will soon be available in the Czech Republic, Spain, France, Netherlands, Slovenia and Hungary. 
with plans for systems to be trialled in the UK in the future. Enfield Council has granted a licence for a new gambling venue in Palmer's Green, despite fears it could harm the local area. The council issued a licence allowing Palace Amusements to operate an adult gaming centre at 369 to 371 Green Lanes, telling residents it was compelled by law to do so in the absence of valid relevant representation. Planning permission to change the use of the premises is still required before the venue can open in an adult gaming centre. More than 1,275 people signed a petition warning the gaming centre would be totally unsuitable for the area, which is already home to four betting shops and a McCaw Slots adult gaming centre. Campaigners fear another gambling venue would increase crime and risk harming children and other vulnerable groups. But in a letter to residents, Council Licensing Officer Ellie Green pointed out that some objections related to planning issues, while others were speculative or had been addressed by the applicant's risk assessment. Enfield Southgate MP Bambos Sherilambos said he was disappointed the licence had been issued, adding that he was extremely concerned about what another adult gaming centre will mean for our high street and for its residents. The MP has written to the government urging it to provide a timetable for the introduction of legislation that would allow councils to take into account the cumulative impact of gambling venues on an area where considerable licensing applications are. George Scataro, who launched the petition, said campaigners were extremely disappointed but were now ready to oppose that planning action. Sorry, that planning application. Enfield Council and Palace Amusements have been approached for comment. And here we have a lovely article from Susan Jampson of Chicken Shed on what the Southgate Theatre has in store for audiences this autumn. As autumn approaches at Chicken Shed, we're getting ready for this year's festive season when we'll be performing two very different shows. Our main house production is a completely new show called The Toymaker's Child. See if the storyline rings any bells when you read this description. The toymaker lives a simple and quiet life. He has just one child, his pride and joy. But, as all parents do, he worries. They often play alone and rarely bring friends home from school. Worried his child is lonely, the toy maker cooks up a cunning plan. Using a magical 3D printer, he creates an all-singing, all-dancing AI child. However, things don't go quite according to plan when the AI child proves to be a bit too mischievous to handle. We guarantee that this brand new chicken shed theatrical experience will leave you spellbound. It features a captivating cast of colourful characters, big laughs and stunning sets, making the toy maker's child an unforgettable journey. Our talented cast of over 200 will fill the stage with wonder, beauty and just a touch of delightful chaos. The toy maker's child opens on the 22nd of November and runs until the 13th of January. There are evening and matinee performances and tickets are priced from £10 to £22.50.
Sign language is integrated into every performance, but we also have captioned and audio-described shows so that everyone can enjoy it. If you feel that your children are a little too young to sit through a two-hour performance with a 20-minute interval, then our second show, Cinderella in Boots, could be just the ticket. Every year, our Tales from the Shed team performs a shorter show of just under one hour for our early years audience. This year, we will be reviving our hugely popular Cinderella in Boots show. It is more of a winter pantomime for the very young, so expect to see plenty of there behind you moments and lots of classic panto touches as your children will join in the fun of live theatre where anything can happen. Cinderella in Boots is bursting with music, dance, puppets and lots and lots of surprises. We guarantee a festive show for audiences young and old. But if you can't wait until Christmas to see more of Chicken Shed, we have our brand new Rise Festival being performed on Friday the 6th of October at 7pm and on Saturday the 7th of October at 1pm. Our RISE programme was developed to rise, inspire, share and elevate new creative companies at Chicken Shed and RISE Festival offers an exciting platform for 12 talented artists to share their brand new, authentic and bold creative experiences to audiences. Get ready to be immersed in innovative choreography, provocative film, original writing, fresh music and powerful workshops. It will be a vibrant experience brimming with a diverse array of exciting performances, plus food, drink and a wonderful atmosphere. Every corner of Chicken Shed will come alive during this festival as we unveil nine never-seen-before creative works. And if you'd like more information about all events at Chicken Shed, then just visit them online at chickenshed.org.uk. And now something from the world of sport. Meet the former international striker in the Towner's dugout. Behind every successful and ambitious manager, there is invariably a highly regarded and trusted number two. None more so than at Enfield Town this season with John Nurse, providing a crucial extra pair of eyes for Gavin McPherson. It's a partnership that goes back to their days together at Met Police FC and is one built on trust, mutual respect and an almost intuitive chemistry. Do they always agree? Absolutely not. But John, who played professionally for Stevenage, Dagenham and Redbridge and Barnet, says the key is all about complementing each other's skills, a big part of the reason behind Town's fast start this season, in which they won their first three league games. Having played under a series of managers, including Graham Westley, Martin Allen and Dutch legend Edgar Davids, when at Barnet, John picked up an enormous amount of knowledge about different ways of winning games of football. I was always intrigued by the whole aspect of coaching, says John, who recently passed his A licence. Of course, you can never get the same buzz as crossing that white line as a player on a match day, but even before I was a pro, as a youngster, I had this feeling coaching was inside of me. I can't affect the game on the pitch, but I can do the work during the week and then trust the players to do what we ask of them. Gav and I are very different. I want things done at 100 miles an hour and I'm quite headstrong, whereas Gav is calm, reserved and thoughtful. That's why he's a manager and I'm a coach. 
The fact that we're opposites, I can get him to think about things in a different way. He always makes the final decision, but he allows me to have an opinion. At step three of the non-league pyramid, you can't expect the players to be professional footballers. What we ask of them has to be realistic. We build a system around the players that we've got. The fact that Gavin also coaches, unlike many managers, helps rather than hinders their relationship. But they do have their differences. I was a forward, whereas Gavin was a defender, but we try to find a balance. If we always agreed, I'd be a yes man, which is not what Gav wants. We are open and honest with each other. Not a lot of people know this, but John has six international caps for Barbados, the country of his birthplace, even though his dad is from Guyana and his mum from Jamaica. I had a choice when I was younger, but I always wanted to play for my place of birth. Having said that, I was shocked when the call came through. One highlight was playing against his brother Chris, who chose to play for Guyana. It was a great moment for the family, but the other special moment was playing against the USA in Los Angeles. It was a World Cup qualifier and they had a host of Premier League players. Unforgettable. Like many assistant managers, John is the antithesis of publicity of a publicity seeker, but is loving every minute of his partnership with Gavin and working with the rest of the towner's management team. Despite having to travel from South London for training and match days, he is relishing the role. I like to go about my business quietly, but I can tell instantly whether I can work with someone or whether I can't. It's down to morals, values and ethics. Gavs and mine are very aligned. That's 100% why the chemistry works. North Enfield end on a loss. North Enfield were relegated to Division 4A of the Saracens Hearts League after an entertaining defeat to Chipperfield and Clarendon, writes William Munt. Chipperfield elected to bat, but were in early strife as one opener, having found the boundary several times, ran himself out after hitting the ball straight to Pat Honour. Thomas Munt and Adam Jessup also struck to leave the visitors 80-3, but a notable fourth wicket stand laid the platform for them to reach 274-8 after Will Greelsdale nabbed a late brace. And North Enfield found themselves in the familiar position of being three down earlier on before Honour, 33, and Irfan Ali steadied the ship. Ali and Sam McMurdy continued to accumulate, steering North Enfield towards a potential winning position. And as Ali passed 50 and motored on, a growing home contingent started to get excited as the hosts neared 200. But Ali fell for a wonderful 86 and McMurdy for a gritty 39 as they were eventually bowled out for 229. There was better news as the seconds beat Reed by six runs, spearheaded by Kieran Jones, 98, to finish sixth in Division 90, sixth Division 9B, sorry, 9B, and North Enfield had two friendly wins, posting a 241-8 against Enfield Ignatians, RFC, after half centuries from William Munt and Ishan Coronata, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Two wickets apiece for David Brandon, Harry Gilmore, Freddie Pearson and Chris Gilliam, 
saw them dismiss the rugby club one-to-one. And unbeaten centuries for Gilman, 102, Antilla Caratina, 108, led North Enfield to a 301-4 against Camel CC, who posted 277 in reply. Here's a letter from Isabel Kidder, and she's a member of the British Heart Foundation. She's written to Dear Enfield Dispatch. My name is Isabel and I work at the British Heart Foundation. I'm getting in touch about a project that we're currently working on in Enfield, which is offering free emergency first aid awareness sessions until mid-October 2023. Enfield is just one of two areas in England that has been selected to take part in the Heart Safe Communities pilot project run by the British Heart Foundation. St John's Ambulance and Resuscitation Council UK. This project is focused on helping communities become more resilient in that when an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest occurs, there is an increased chance of survival, as 8 out of 10 cardiac arrests happen in the home, and currently the survival rate is less than 1 in 10. As part of this pilot, we are calling on Enfield community organisations, schools, businesses neighbourhood teams and residents to get involved through learning CPR and helping us to locate existing defibrillators in the area. This is a great opportunity to learn basic first aid skills at absolutely no cost. Please register your interest for a free first aid awareness session by clicking this link below. We are offering face-to-face sessions and virtual sessions to suit your group's need. The face-to-face sessions would take place at the group's venue and the virtual sessions take place via Microsoft Teams. Both would be delivered by St John's Ambulance Volunteers. And here is the email address, folks. It's email kidder, which is K-I-L-L-E-R-I, sorry, that's kidderi, at bhf.org.uk. That's K-I-D-D-E-R-I at bhf.org.uk. Dot org dot uk where you can register your interest for a free session. And now we have a final sports item. Enfield Borough produced a resolute defensive performance to earn a 1-1 draw with Benfleet in Thurlow Nunn Division 1 South. Arsenio Lima's wayward pass presented the ball to Andrew Adegbiti, but Captain Millian Sean produced a fine last-ditch tackle to deny the striker. At the other end, Salim Bayat, Puria and Palamidi Coabo engineered an excellent 1-2 to open up the Benfleet defence, but the former's shot was blocked. The hosts took the lead after 11 minutes as Coabo saw his right wing cross-headed by Sashon Lawrence-Edwards, past Florent Gislet. But Adegbite was causing problems to Enfield's defence and he headed over Jonty Purdom and also the crossbar. The match changed on 35 minutes as Adegbite chased a through ball, outpacing Samuel Agre-Adams and knocking the ball beyond Purdom before going down. Despite Purdom's protests about a lack of contact, the referee sent off Enfield's keeper with Sean taking over in goal. The second half was only four minutes old when Adegbite rounded Agre Adams and angled the ball past Sean to draw Benfleet level. 
but Borough hit back with John Christian Afreni Kesey and Puria. I'm sorry, read that again. And Perea working an opening before Afreni Kesey's poor first touch took himself too close to the Benfleet keeper. Adigbite again outpaced Agre Adams on the hour and prodded the ball beyond Sean. But Daryl Wapara raced back to clear the ball off the line straight to Billy Carter, who who goalward shot hit the head of Agre Adams, who threw himself in the way of substitute Mason Shave's shot and the rebounded effort landed in the arms of a relieved Sean. After a midweek trip to northwest London, Borough visit Southend Manor on Saturday. We have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So from the team of Roz, Denise, Catherine and Dem on the controls and of course myself, Angela, it's... Bye! Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying play podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspaper on 07899-854-582. That's 07899-854-582. The Enfield Talking Newspaper will be with you again in one week's time. <laughs>